You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. Welcome back. I'm Brad Onishi, and this is our series finale, our very last episode of this partnership between Straight White American Jesus and Americans United. And I'm joined by the person who really helped make it all happen, and that is Brian Silva. So, Brian, thanks for thanks for hanging out today. Yeah, thanks for being with us from uh, start to finish. It's been great. So, Brian, uh, let me tell folks about you. You're Vice President of Outreach and Engagement at Americans United. You've been organizing for decades in terms of just all kinds of issues, creating change through education and advocacy and working in LGBTQ plus movements as the executive director of Marriage Equality USA and other organizations. So you bring just like a wealth of organizing experience and outreach experience to Americans United on a number of fronts. But we're talking today because you're really the person who I think, I know what you're going to say. You're going to tell me all the team members and all the millions of people that helped you do this, but you really had a vision for the Summit for Religious Freedom. And so I just want to start by saying, what prompted you to really think that now was the time for the Summit Religious Freedom to kick off in 2023? I think so many organizations, oftentimes, you know, conferences and gatherings, it, it's their baby and, and they're fantastic. We participate in a lot of them. Um, but for me, the issue of Christian nationalism, church-state separation, right-wing extremism, all of these issues that we're up against, they don't just affect one issue. I mean, and, and that, that is kind of one of the things I love about working at AU is we get to work across issues because church-state separation and inclusive religious freedom is really fundamental to all the key rights uh, that we had. And so um, it became really clear to me that what we needed was not, you know, an AU national conference. What we needed was a conference where everybody felt like they had a place at the table, not just to participate, but to contribute to the creation of it so that we could start to really find a space where we could work together on an ongoing basis to fight against, against this encroachment. I really, I'm not going to lie. I really love that about the, the summit. You know, we're a couple of weeks out now. We've all had time to debrief, take a nap, drink some water. And I, the thing that really marked the summit for me was what you just said. Um, there was so many people that gathered from different organizations who who are care about different issues. But not only were they able to kind of be in the same room together and have really great discussions, but so many folks felt like they were contributing. And I just, I want to say, I really appreciate that about the summit. Could you expand on that a little bit? Um, one of the the things you said, I think, is just really important for people to take away, which is separation of church and state may seem like a, a kind of legal issue. I don't know, a, a an antiquated constitutional issue. But when you drill down, it really is the issue that is kind of an umbrella phenomenon as it relates to so many of the things people are thinking of in terms of our contemporary political moment. And so would you mind just expanding on that and how you see that from your perspective uh, as, as somebody working at AU? Yeah, you know, I mean, my 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 kind of origin story that I, I tell is, you know, I, I was organizing for queer rights for many, 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 many years. And so there's a lot of work and wins within there. And when I first looked at joining the staff at AU, I thought, you know, that, that's an important issue, but I don't know if it's like really right for me. 
And then in the process of getting to know the organization um, better, it was so clear to me that everything that me and my colleagues had, had worked for was in jeopardy, not just advancement, but just protecting the things we had. And so then it became a no-brainer that church-state separation was the right place to be. And you, you can take that story and you can expand it to strong public schools, you know, the ability to read books in the library, the access to abortion, all of those things, protecting what we have and moving it forward, all depends on the ability to protect church-state separation. Because in our country, you have the right to, to believe as you choose or not believe, but you don't have the right to impose that on everybody else. You don't have the right to harm people and use your religious belief as an excuse um, to do that. That has been the real light bulb. And our, our young folks that we work with, when we talk to them and we say, what does church-state separation mean to you? I think Rachel said this at the conference. The first thing that they said was homophobia. It wasn't Ten Commandments in, in the courtroom. It wasn't in God we trust on the money or the flag or in the, the, the pledge. All of those things are important, but that is kind of like what we've always thought of and associated with church-state separation. But it's so much more than that. And it's so much more fundamental to, to everything that we, that we believe is an American democracy. Well, and one of the things that came out of the conference that I really hope people have taken away from the series, listening to everyone I've, I've interviewed, is that the way that you just told the story of church-state separation is one that includes religious and non-religious people. And so it's really not a big stretch to find ways for the secular, the free thinker, the atheist person to gather with the uh, Reformed Jew, the mainline Baptist, the fill-in-the-blank religious person, and feel as if they're they're taking part in the same story. And I'm wondering if you felt that dynamism at the summit like I did. A absolutely. I think that you know, church-state separation has uh, for a long time gotten a really bad rap as anti-religious. And coming from the queer community and queer organizing, I can totally relate to that. For the longest time, you know, lots of LGBTQ people have been harmed by religion, but lots of LGBTQ people are religious and lots of religions are pro-LGBT. What has been exciting to watch is bringing together people of faith um, and non-believers in this space and having them both say, we believe in church-state separation at the same time and having this aha moment. Well, I just assume you weren't. Well, I just assumed that you weren't. And all of a sudden realizing that we have strong allies across that spectrum because we all realize in order for people to, to be secular, atheist, agnostic, or to be Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, all of them require a separation of church and state. So they can believe that way and then come together and make laws that are based on equality and democracy and freedom for all. And I think that that SURF, uh, the Summit for Religious Freedom, really was a great place to showcase that. We, you saw on stage, we had panels where it, it, it was from one a cler clergy in, in religious garb sitting next to atheists, both, you know, talking about these values. And I think that is, that shows that we are the majority and we do all believe these across you know, lines that are actually, in, are, don't exist. It, no, I, it was just fantastic. And I, I it, it was, it was for me, something I left inspired by uh, talk to us about the Summit for Religious Freedom in this moment. We're, we're coming out of the Trump years. We've endured the pandemic. Did did this feel like a moment that was really important to gather folks under the story and under the umbrella that you've just talked about? 
It, it did. I, I think you talk a lot about in your book and, and in all places about January 6th and, and, and the effects of that. I think as we're starting to really come to convictions around that day where folks are really having to come to terms that this was an insurrection and it was based on Christian nationalist beliefs for, for many people that, that were there and, and other things that we're all fighting, that, that there's a kind of a new group, a new a, a new a new cadre of folks waking up to this movement and this surf became a place where they could come and say hey i maybe i wasn't on board before i just didn't know or just you know for a lot of us just didn't click um and we're moving into you know a new campaign cycle we we had you know people in political power at at not just the federal level but state level and local level school boards and things like that who are actively saying these things you know, out loud of, uh, I, I have a narrow religious belief and I am going to vote to make that law for you to follow, literally. And so I think as SURF was um, both the, the, the summit, you know, in person and virtual itself, but the SURF 365 ongoing programming and networking that we're, we'll be doing is a way for people to stay connected, share ideas, and be able to continue that fight, you know, year round. And I, I, I do think this is a moment where there's a, a new awakening for an even larger community to realize what's going on. Well, and let's talk about that. We had the summit. The summit was amazing. We're, we're a couple of weeks out now. But as you mentioned, there's, there's Surf 365. So how is this at AU something that people can be involved in year round, uh, you know, without having to, to be in DC at the summit to do so? Absolutely. One of the things that we were very explicit about when we were designing this was for the for surf to be radically inclusive. Um, so that meant things such as simple as being in person, but being in a place where you could get there by bus, by train, by car, by plane, having a virtual component, because it's it's not even just financially. You know, if you have a family, if you have a full-time job, it's it, it's hard to be able to do that travel. Folks could access that. SERP was free to anybody with a .edu email address. Make sure that especially young people and students were able to attend. We have scholarships both for in-person and also for virtual attendance. We didn't want money to be a, an, an obstacle. And SERP 365 is our uh, continuous year-round virtual programming to amplify and supplement, you know, what what just happened. Um, and so normally it will be available for anybody who has registered for SURF previously. Um, but this year being our inaugural year, we're making it free to anybody. So they can go to the surf.org slash 365 to see our next, our next event coming up on the 24th, talking about upcoming Supreme Court cases and register to join that webinar for free, whether you attended SURF or not. But, um, you know, that was something that we identified as kind of a drawback of the conference model. It's great in the moment. And then oftentimes it's a whole other year before we get this back together. And we know that our opponents are not waiting for another year to come up with some new way of trying to take away people's rights. And so this allows us to respond in the moment, you know, year round, and to do it with our partners. So it's not, it's not just AU. Our, our, our SIR 365 panels are made up of folks across our sponsors and other organizations. And you know, we are the convener of this, but this movement is owned by everybody who believes in the democratic experiment that is our country. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I, I want to come back to those partners uh, in a minute and talk about the future of SURF. But one thing that was uh, a part of SURF this year that I, I think was really important was Lobby Day. 
And I just wondered if you talk about that. Uh, what did Lobby Day entail? Uh, and I think one of the things that it did was break down the barrier for perhaps somebody new to this uh, movement and conversation to say, oh, okay, I, I understand now what it means to lobby. Like I actually am able to talk to reps and elected officials and tell them how I feel. It's not like I have to go through 10 barriers and say a magic password and hopefully a genie in a bottle will let me do that. Can you talk to us about Lobby Day, what that meant, and how it just gives access to everyday folks to their elected representatives? Yeah. So, I mean, first, shout out to AU's policy team who really took the lead on that. You know, they did a great job with that. That was the first part of CERP that actually sold out um, before the whole conference sold out, even before we started. Um, but, you know, the the cool part about Lobby Day is I think people are very intimidated. They don't quite know what goes into it. What you realize is that the the folks in Congress and Congress, you can substitute Congress for state house, for governor's mansion, for school board. These are just other people and they are elected to represent us and they have an obligation to listen to their constituents and have those conversations. You know, there's nothing fancy or special about it other than some tics, you know, tips and tricks for just getting your point across in the you know, in time that you have. Um, but what was really cool, I think, about this lobby day was we really took that idea of the interconnectedness of the summit issues and church-state separation issues. And while we were talking to representatives about the Do No Harm Act, which is kind of the signature piece of legislation uh, to help restore the, the separation of church and state, everybody was able to talk about it from the issues that matter to them. So in a meeting with a representative, you might have one person talking about this legislation is important because this is how it would protect me as a gay man and my husband and my children. And another person talking about, I have kids in public school whose libraries are empty because they're being pulled off the shelf or uh, uh, you know, a, a, a person being able to talk about their abortion story or having to travel out of state or living in a state where abortion is banned. So you really, I think the legislators really got to really listen to going back to that antiquated idea of, of church-state separation, that it is those things and more. And they really got to see it. And it was from the mouths and the stories of the people they're elected to represent. So it's really, really powerful. And even if you can't travel to Washington or, or whatever, like I said, you can lobby in locally. You can also email or write letters to your legislators. You can call them. All of those things are locked. They tally all of those things. So it was a really powerful day. I I remember living in DC and I remember the first time I somebody invited me to a dinner and as a friend of a friend and and you're sitting next to somebody and you're like they're like what do you do and I'm like I'm a professor this and that and it's like what do you do and they're like oh I'm a member of Congress and you know it was one of those moments where somebody's just a normal human being sitting there at a dinner and you're like oh you're not uh you know you're not protected at all times and cordoned off from the public you're a human and uh, I'm allowed to talk to you. And so Lobby Day to me was a really good sort of reminder of that, that uh, these are human beings, they're elected representatives, and they need us to do everything we can through every channel we can to express what we uh, what we see as really important. Let me close with one more question and, uh, and get you out of here. And that is, uh, you know, when I talked to you first about the Summit for Religious Freedom, you explained to me that you didn't want this to be an AU enterprise. You You were hoping that in this first year, Many folks would realize that uh, AU is going to host, but this is a summit that is is one where you want to partner with other people and other organizations. What's the future for the Summit for Religious Freedom in your mind, the ideal future that I'm sure you're already working on, but what is, what is it you hope for the coming years? 
From a content perspective, um, we hope that our partners and sponsors will be able to have input, give ideas for keynote speakers and panels and, and topics to not only continue to submit to do breakout sessions, but to, to help us with, you know, sifting through those and, and, and be a real partner in the, the, the SERP 365 events that we do, hopefully continuing to grow and expand the number of sponsors and partners. I mean, we had over 50 sponsors and partners in our very first year, which was just insane. It was insane and it was wonderfully insane. And we want that to continue growing. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is if we can take the foundation that we built and just continue to build upon it and, um, and be a place where, where everybody feels like they have a stake in it and that they have a contribution that can be made. And that's everything from large national Washington, D.C. based organizations, which we had many, all the way down to individual church and synagogue denominations, of which we also had many that were sponsors. This is, you know, this needs to be accessible to every single person and every single community organization and every single faith institution across the country to be a part of and engaged in and be able to get something from. So I think, I think if we keep building on what we, what we started, I think that to me would be a huge success. Well, last question is, is really what, first of all, I want to say thank you to you for all your work and thank you for uh, just putting on a, an event that I think left me inspired. You know, I, I get to do events a lot. I, I've had the chance this past year, especially to just be part of a lot of conferences and other, uh, other things. And, I, I really, I left DC after the the summer for religious freedom, feeling hope. And uh, if you know me, that's hard for me. Hope is hard for me. <laughs> so I, I was really, I was just really overcome by it. What's the best way? That's our win. Should, yeah. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh where do I go if I want to participate in in uh, Surf three sixty five? Yeah. So everything is on the Surf, and then that's the S R S. Org. Everything is there slash 365 if you want to get there directly. Um, you can sign up for our, our webinar coming up uh, this month and then for future webinars as well. That's also where we'll be putting information up about the next summit, the dates and such when that will be happening. I, I definitely encourage folks to follow Join Americans United for Separation of Church and State. But I also encourage you to go to our sponsor page on the surf.org slash sponsor and look at all of these sponsors that are here and find other organizations that you're like, oh, I'm totally into protecting abortion rights or LGBT rights or fighting anti-Semitism. And, and here's great organizations doing that who also recognize church state separation and follow them. Join their mailing lists as, as well and continue to be an outspoken advocate for church state separation. I think the biggest the, the biggest thing people can do is that every time you hear somebody say that that's not in the constitution, that the, you know, the, the, the founders and framers of our country meant for us to live in a Christian nation or an explicitly this X, Y, or Z religious nation. We just need to stand up and say, no, that's, that is not the case. That is not true. No matter how many times you say it, because a lie repeated over and over again has the danger of becoming the truth. And uh, if we can just stand up to that, and work together, then I think we have a really good shot of pushing back. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time to close out our series, to give us a window into the vision for the Summit for Religious Freedom, and hopefully for what will be a really bright and uh, an influential future. 
just to, to thank you. And thank you for being such a great partner through all this and everything that you do as well to keep this issue you know, at the forefront um, because your voice is uh, really important and powerful. And, and so many people were thrilled to have you there and speaking and, and, and all the work that you do. So thank you. No, I got to do the, it was like the funnest weekend ever. I gave a talk <laughs> and then I went, I went in a room and I just interviewed like smart, inspiring, incredible leaders and organizers. So it was like, like the best weekend ever for me and uh, just glad I got to be part of it. So, all right, y'all, we're going to sign off from One Nation All Beliefs. Uh, thanks for listening to this series. We hope that you will find here resources, uh, inspiration going forward and ways to get involved in a myriad of organizations, including Americans United for separation of church and state. Uh, look for all of the ways you can do that, as Brian said, at thesrf.org. You can follow us at straightwhitejc and straightwhiteamericanjesus.com. Thanks for being here. Have a good day. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.